Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas. And today I have with me the CEO and founder of Veritasium, Mr. Reggie Middleton. How are you doing, Reggie? I'm fine. Glad, happy to be here. Oh, great to have you. Uh, let's jump right into it. Tell us about the company. Who are you guys and what do you do? Well, we're a small startup uh, organized last year uh, in its current form. And we enable peer-to- the peer-to-peer economy through software. So uh, that's, I guess, a uh, catchy way of saying um, we use software on the blockchain and in the cloud to enable any two individuals to do business with each other without a third party enabling them. So Peter can do business with Paul, who could do business with Paulette directly, and that could be a financial business or any other. And they don't need banks, brokerages, exchanges, agents, principals, or anybody else. They could do it uh, generally faster um, almost all of the time with less risk, with more transparency, and without having to trust or know the other side of the deal. So all in all, you know, a, a new way of doing things. And what inspired the creation of the company? Uh, the uh, burgeoning of the technology. Once I realized that the technology was available to do such a thing, my brain exploded and ideas just started flying up. So the first thing that came to mind was the ability to, through smart contracts, uh, do business with people all over the world. 
this makes a true global economy, um, regardless of the scale of the transaction. So two people can transact for 65 cents around the world without knowing each other, or $655 million, or $6.5 billion for almost the exact same cost. And, and as far as your background, were you already in finance or tech by trade? or? Yeah, um, you know, I was self-trained in finance and technology. Uh, I feel I've earned my stripes. Uh, if you Google my name, if you say, uh, if you're talking to Siri or Google now and say introducing Reggie Middleton video, you get a video that acts as a scissor reel um, where I predicted the fall of Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and the European debt crisis and the, you know, the, the wiggling of Apple and the prominence of Google and the fall of research emotion and altogether by 87 to 100 calls over the last 11 years, with the most recent one being the rise of Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, and uh, blockchain-related solution. So would it be fair to say that Veritasium's ultimate mission is to is to have more, I guess, like you said, peer-to-peer personal transactions to kind of eliminate that need to trust a lot of people just to go through your, your you just go through the normal transactions. Actually we were aiming a bit higher than that. We don't look to have more um peer to peer transactions. We look to um transform the economy into a peer to peer universe. So currently people think of economic activities um basically revolving around a central bank and money center banks and um individuals who exercise control over money supply, et cetera. And we see the world as a bunch of peers connecting directly with each other exclusively and that is the universe so we're not looking to have more people act in a certain way we're looking to empower people to be their own individual sovereign entities whether it's financial or otherwise also kind of some kind of freeing them from the traditional system right you know we're going to recreate the world and uh hopefully do a better job at it uh i just for those who follow my twitter or facebook or youtube accounts uh we just announced uh partnering with the entity in Ethiopia, and we are going to enable them to dematerialize their bond certificates and trade over the blockchain, which means that they would be able to trade without a facilitator third party. Um, we are um, looking to engage in announcing deals with uh, Uganda, uh, entities in Uganda, entities in Kenya, um, governments in Kenya, uh, and throughout the African continent, and basically create uh, a pan-African uh, economic network that is, combines all the economies of Africa as a single trading block, but using smart contracts and tokens. So basically, it would be the euro done correctly. Um, we're also going to do the same thing throughout Europe, throughout Asia, and the U.S., and then eventually connect all the countries together so we have one single economic trading block, but not through any sort of third party. So each and every... 10-year-old girl, multi-generational family office and corporation can trade with each other cross-continent globally with um, absolute transparency and trust. Ah, so no clearing houses, no third parties at all, just direct. Everyone just direct, person to person. Direct, person to person. You got it. And and in engaging with Veritasium, what's the, the starting process like, the onboarding process like? Do I just fill out uh, some forms to get an account started, or how does it work? Um, we're based on the Ethereum blockchain currently, so there are no accounts. Uh, the only form to fill out is the actual smart contract, which is very simple. If you go to the Veritasium.com website and click the VEDA, um, you can actually see how it works. 
um, there's a constant preview um, of the application. And if we accept you in, you know, it hasn't cleared U.S. regulatory hurdles as of yet, um, but we can accept you in as a contractor. If you can add value with the contractor, of course, then you can make use of it. Or if you're outside of the U.S. in a more amenable jurisdiction, uh, you can actually make use of it directly. Um, but it's drop-dead simple, believe it or not, because of an interface that was made for the average person and not necessarily for the technically inclined or uh, a developer. Ah, so so grandma should be able to get right, you know, go right to it and, and go right through the process now. Yeah, as long as grandma's hit. <laughs> <laughs> understood, understood. And I know you or said, that, oh, I'll go ahead. <laughs> I said, or lit. You know, it all depends on what generation <laughs> we're going to. And I know you said that the that the uh, company hasn't been around for that long, but you guys have have kind of firmly established yourself in the space there. What what kind of difficulties have you encountered in in bringing the putting the company together? Well, the concept started in 2013. Um, the precursor to this company started in 2014, and then this particular company, uh, you know, there's several. When I say this. You know, it's a business concept that multiple companies evolve because of a global, you know, it's a, a global venture and uh, you can't really run everything from a single business entity. Um, the biggest issue outside of capitalization, you know, funding, um, has been uh, getting the world to um, get up to speed on what's capable with the technology and the business model and uh, what the benefits are. So, uh, it's education, basically. And we've been on a constant education spree. As a matter of fact, over the last 35 to 45, I say 45 days or so, uh, we've been on a worldwide tour um, going through multiple countries in Africa, in Europe, uh, Asia, and the, U and the U.S., and the North America, um, basically spreading the mantra, educating, uh, teaching. And uh, interest is growing family offices, et cetera, and we are slowly but surely making our rounds and uh, getting the point across. So you would say that, that education would be the number one key to mass adoption? Yeah. Almost guaranteedly. You know, it, this is basically nirvana, but in order for nirvana to be appreciated, it has to be understood. You know, a lot of people get their education from pop media or from their friends or cohorts or colleagues. Unfortunately, Oftentimes, friends, cohorts, colleagues, and mass media uh, have absolutely no idea what they're doing. So the wrong message, uh, wrong misinformation, or unfortunately sometimes disinformation, seeps up into the public and then it gains momentum and inertia. So our job is to make sure that the facts are present. And um, unlike many uh, startups that engage in a token offering, we move very quickly. So we have a fully functional product. We have a f uh, quite an efficient research staff that gets out, puts out the most high-quality research in the industry, and we have very functional developers who uh, can develop at a rate um, and an efficiency that's you know hard to come by. We don't have a large development team; we have a good development team. Ah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Not a large team, but a good team. So uh, that that uh, that definitely drives the point home there. And we've, so we've mentioned some of the difficulties, but what would you say are some of the, I guess, some of the, the main things you would look at as achievements up to this point? Well, A, we developed the product, and uh, that might not seem uh, that monumental an achievement, but uh, this time last year, 
it, I was told by practically everybody in the space that this type of product couldn't be done on a uh, Ethereum blockchain. So not only did we develop the product, but we pretty much proved everybody wrong. Um, we've developed the research staff, developed the research reports. The research is the basis of what we do. Everything is basically formed from knowledge. The research staff, the actual reports are, again, unmatched in the entire industry. Now, as unmatched in this industry, uh, I'll go so far as to compare the research report to um, uh, subjects in other industries throughout finance. You know, you compare a typical big brokerage report on Facebook to our report on a digital assets such as Populous or PayPal, and you probably, you probably, your jaw would drop. Wow, how does this small team do such a thorough, accurate, and detailed job? You know, I find it interesting that that people would tell you, try to tell you about what you can or can't do in this space, considering how quickly things change and the speed that that the technology is advancing. I mean, who's? I mean, who? I guess, I guess my, I guess my first thought would be, well, who's authority enough to tell somebody else what they shouldn't be able to do or shouldn't be able to accomplish? You know, I can answer that on. question. The answer to that question is somebody who doesn't know how to get it done, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and uh, and so, what would you what would you say are, are some developments or ideas that you may have heard that you might you might say, well, that's a little bit too ambitious right now, or or that's something that may come ten years down the road as opposed to two years down the road? Because usually there's always somebody in the room who thinks very very big, and maybe it's just something that just can't necessarily be done today. Well, I don't say I don't believe in too ambitious. I don't do that. Um, it might not be worth the effort. You know, that's one thing or uh, might not be conducive to our mantra um, or, you know, our value add. But there's no such thing as too ambitious. You know, there's something that's impractical. You know, we can get anything done with enough effort, enough uh, um, drive and, of course, human intellectual capital. Now, whether we should get it done is a different story. Um, and also, there's one thing. Uh, there's uh, um, in terms of uh, the biggest roadblocks. I mentioned education and understanding, but regulation, you know, is up there as well. But, you know, on second thought, regulation and regulatory issues are simply a manifestation of a lack of understanding. So I'm back to my original point. Um, a lack of understanding and education on the topic is the biggest uh, hurdles that we're facing. Do you ever envision a day where it's where these regulatory institutions would even be able to keep keep up or catch up enough to really be effective? Well, I don't think they need to catch up. I think they need to understand that uh, there's a new dawning, there's a new way of doing business, and the regulation should be focused on um, protecting the consumer of the product, not con retail consumers, but the consumer of the product. In my opinion, that should be the overarching um, goal. And doing that, you don't necessarily have to keep up with technology, you just have to keep up with the um, ideal of protecting the consumer of the product. Part and one significant part of protecting the consumer of the product is not to prevent that consumer from getting access to a new technology and new business model. If you deny that consumer access to new technology or new business models or the new types of products, you're harming that consumer. So, and I'm not going to name regulators, of course, but on a global basis, any regulator that discriminates against small technology firms or discriminates based upon technology or based upon platform, runs the risk of harming their own constituency by killing off creativity and the new ideas. And the creativity and new ideas don't form in the big established 
um, entities such as, you know, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley Citibank. New ideas come from garages and in bedrooms. Um, just take a look at the last paradigm, last paradigm shift and the paradigm shift before that. Where did all the real useful ideas that became the multi, uh, the new decade-billion dollar companies, where did they come from? And centered-billion dollar companies. Microsoft started in a dorm room. Um, Apple started in a garage. Facebook started in a dorm room. Um, Amazon started as, uh, I mean, eBay started as selling peasants. You know, almost all the very, very creative ideas started very, very small and did not have budgets to fight uh, to hire lawyers and, you know, wrestle with regulators. And they would have all been driven out of business. Now, they would have been in business, but they would have just been in business in another country under another jurisdiction. And the U.S. would have been second and third versus first. So imagine if Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Intel um, were all Russian and Chinese. Where would America be? Okay, and that's the risk that regulators face. Uh, that's the risk that consumers face if regulators are uh, overzealous in either protecting the status quo because that's what they're used to, or run the, or they run the risk of discriminating based upon a platform or based upon the size and age of a company, et cetera. So protecting constituencies um, is the best way to go, with constituency being the consumer of the product. Okay, not necessarily extant companies, you know, who are large, but the consumer of the product. And again, just to recap, uh, the protection protection of constituencies who are consumers of the product is part and parcel in making sure they're not denied, you know, access to the best new things. And, and as part of that, so some people have mentioned that that it seems that some governments in developing countries may be trying to develop their own cryptocurrency and kind of get into the space themselves. But does that do you think that that would do you think that that's just another way to try to exert control over the space, or is that maybe a few people who seem to get it and are trying to get with the program? Well, some are trying to get with the program, some are trying to exert control. Um, but at the end of the day, Mother Market will have her do. So um, if you don't do it right, it will be you know, destroyed or it will fade out. If you do do it right and execute correctly, you have a chance of having it uh, become part of uh, global history. Ah. Uh, that's that's uh, insightful way of looking at it. And and let me ask you for the for the next couple of years, what does the future roadmap look like for 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 you guys? What what's what's coming down the pike in the next twelve to twenty four months? Well, put it this way, a year is a very long time in this business. Okay, <laughs> um, I can tell you what's coming down the pike very quickly. We're working on making deals with multiple countries in Africa um, to basically deploy our technology um, through exchanges and brokers and dealers and um, sovereign entities, counties, cities, and countries throughout Africa. Basically, I'm trying to unite all 54 African countries um, economically. Um, we're looking to uh, deploy this in Europe. Um, we're looking to deploy this in Asia. And uh, we're also looking to give individuals access to independently run versions of our VEDA from all over the world, um, regardless of their geopolitical, geographic, and socioeconomic standing. So this is over the next six months. Um, and over the next 30 business days or so, I'll be announcing um, multiple uh, deals that are being struck or and or um, deployment of the software. 
whether autonomously on our own or in conjunction with um, a government entity or a private company. Oh, we'll definitely have to uh, keep our keep our ears open for that for those announcements. Seems like I made there. one this morning, actually. Oh, <laughs> oh, you got you guys are making all kinds of moves. Well, uh, so what what would you say your final thoughts would be for our listeners? What's the big takeaway that you would like them to, to take from this interview? Um, there's a lot of uh, hype, um, and that hype is backed by people, or the hype is, I guess you could say, backed by people who are a very excited. And or be um, excited because they have more idea than capability in execution. C, there are some fraudsters and scams out there. But um, and then D, you have those who are basically fraudsters themselves, weaving everything they don't understand as a scam. Um, so it's created a very nasty environment. Um, there's nothing different between these opportunities and the others. Um, historically to vet opportunity, you learn about it as much as you can, and using that fundamental analysis, one plus one equals two, you know, two minus one equals one. Um, simple math. When things don't add up because you don't understand it, um, do your research, just learn. If it's something that you can't understand um, after several hours of uh, due diligence, it's either too complicated for you or it wasn't <laughs> worth understanding in the first place. Either way, there's something you should steer clear of. Okay. <laughs> I, I like that, uh, and I like the term that you used too when you talked about how you have some folks with just more ideas than execution. I guess. Uh, right. I guess. I guess their next step is just to search for partners. Then. <laughs> right. Search for partners, and and um, I found the biggest hole in most of the ICOs over the last year or two is a lack of diversity in the team. You know, these ICOs are founded. Uh, are uh, imagined and founded by software developers and software engineers and launched by software developers and engineers and then operated and ideas executed by software developers and software engineers. That's cool if you're building software, but if you're trying to build a business, you know, the best way to failure is let software engineers and developers do it. You know, it should be business people that build the business. There should be domain expertise, um, you know, or experts in certain domains or domain expertise builders to uh, do the execution. Um, and salespeople should do the sales, you know, marketing should do the marketing, et cetera. Um, having developers basically act outside of their core competencies is a recipe for failure. Imagine if you hired a bunch of, uh, you know, sales reps to code and engineer a software program and develop it. Chances are it would be a pretty bad software development, um, period, you know, if it gets done at all. You know, that doesn't mean that the sales reps were bad people. That means that they should have been selling versus building software. But what happens when you have software developers trying to sell or trying to run a business? Most likely, you're going to get the same uh, result. So, you know, if you don't see diversity in your team, that is a very, very big negative, in my opinion. You need diversity. You know, I thrive on diversity. So we have software engineers, software developers. We have um, financial analysts. We have real estate experts. We have... Uh, political mavens. We have uh, AML, KYC, and um, you know compliance guys. We have the wild, you know, entrepreneur, which is me, which also doubles as a macro strategist and investment strategist, etc. But you know, we have a lot of diversity. So we, we not only attempt to go deep, but we attempt to go wide as well. Which is why, um, hopefully, you'll see it pay off in the near future. And, and what's the best way for all of our listeners to engage with you in the company? Um, come to the website. 
you know, take a look at the website. Um, there's a lot of information. There's a starter kit right on the front page, right under the introductory video. On the upper right-hand corner, there's the three slashes, three lines, gives you the menu. And at the bottom, we have our social media links. And that enables you to, you know, imbibe and engage in a veritation. You know, that front page alone contains dozens of hours of material, if not hundreds of hours, for you to familiarize yourself. And if you want the quick and then dirty get started, just go straight into the VEDA. Try, you know, and look at it. Click the help button. Um, you know, I'll go through the videos. You can always reach me from the website and the team. We have a team of roughly about 20. I think about six are on the website. And you can engage with me through Twitter as well. Uh, at Reggie Middleton is my Twitter handle. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, well, thank you, Reggie, for coming on to the podcast, and, and we appreciate your time and your wisdom. Yeah, well, you're very, very welcome, and, uh, and thank you for being flattering in your coming. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.